Hi, this is Matthew Batten, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm Podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and right behind me is Roy. Today is our second installment of our uh, interview series. Yes, we're getting guys to talk, getting guys to open up, too. Yeah, we're going to talk to Matthew Batten today. Lord Matt Batten. I don't know where you get this Lord Matt it's, Batten he's from. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a... God, my wife watches this stupid <laughs> show. <laughs> I loved it. It was uh, the Royals. What was it called? I can't remember. I can't remember what it was the called. The Royal Tenenbaums? Or... No, it's um, the, it, probably some the show. The Crown. That's it. it. was The Crown. Oh, okay. Because I, I know Liddy does the whole crossing streams thing with, yeah. but I don't watch a whole lot of TV, so that all just goes right over my head. And wait till you get older, you'll watch a lot of TV. But speaking of somebody who doesn't watch a whole lot of TV, Matthew Batten, uh, he is a baseball lifer. Dude, yeah, he's so, going to be a stud. Yeah, we had a good conversation with him. You'll hear that in a little bit. Uh, but batting leadoff, we're going to talk about the Padres draft report card from Baseball America. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Uh, the best pure hitter, uh, they get to Jackson Merrill. Uh, he has the physical skills to be an above-average hitter and an advanced approach for his age and experience level. He has a balanced swing, recognizes breaking pitches exceptionally well, and does a good job hunting fastballs and driving them through the middle of the field. That's interesting to hear that from you know, the draft class. Right. and He's such a pop-up player, really. And coming out of the draft... The, the Padres draft was kind of underwhelming as far as the immediate like knee-jerk right. reactions. Right. Jackson Merrill wasn't a very highly heralded player. Uh, James Wood that they took in the second round and a bunch of the other guys, they were people that were kind of pop-up players that people didn't think a whole lot right. of at the time. Um, and then a strong start, they kind of put themselves on the map. So next on the list was the best power hitter, outfielder James Wood, is a massive physical presence at six foot seven, two 240 pounds, and already hits long home runs to the opposite field with little effort. He has a chance to grow into plus-plus power as he learns to incorporate more leverage in his swing. Particularly, that's a guy that has been poo-pooed, particularly with... Um Keith Law. Keith Law. Yeah, Keith Law. He must have gotten a look at him um, you know, a, a, on a bad week. Right. Uh, it, it sounds like James Wood didn't have a strong spring, uh, but you never know what's going on in somebody's life. Right. And you never know what's happening right. that particular week that somebody, that a scout comes and puts eyes on him. He maybe just had a bad day. Maybe just broke up with his girlfriend. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's good to hear that he's on this list and that, uh, you know, that there's, there's eyes on him. Oh, for sure. The fastest runner, second baseman Max Ferguson, is a plus runner who flashes plus plus times at his best. He played second base at Tennessee, but saw time in center field and being drafted and showed impressive range with a good initial burst and easy fluid strides. He reminds me of of the guy the Padres just traded for the second baseman. Uh, Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier. I could see that. Small guy, short guy, pretty quick. You know, Frazier hits, a, you know, it's not a power guy, but you know, he hits for average. Yeah, he sprays the ball all over the place, solid fielder and all that. Yeah, absolutely. But the uh, the best defensive player, they gave it to, to James Wood. Yeah. Uh, they say he's a plus runner who tracks balls with ease in center field despite his size. He has a quick first step and glides smoothly across the outfield once he gets underway. And so hearing that combination of power and like the graceful speed makes me yeah. think of two guys, Dave Winfield and Daryl Strawberry. Both those guys were about that same size, yeah. uh, and they, I mean, they're both Hall of Fame caliber right. players. Daryl Strawberry's career yeah. was kind of interrupted a little bit, uh, but I mean, if James Wood takes off on that kind of a uh, trajectory, then the Padres could have something special in it. Yeah. 
be nice. It'd be nice to see him in Lake Elsinore next year. Oh, I'm hoping so, but he might skip it. Who knows? That would be just our luck. That would be just our luck. Won't you believe it's just our luck? Hey, best I, I want to see him do some Josh Mears type, just power destroying baseballs. Just some tanks. Only from the left, because the, he's a lefty hitter. So oh, my God. He would hit it over would, the big monster. I, I want to see him hit one through that wall. Right. I want to see a ball go through that wall. Thunk. <laughs> so the best fastball is right-handed Garrett Hawkins. Uh, has a has a high spin uh, fastball that sits ninety three ninety seven and gets excellent carry through the strike zone. He struck out twenty seven batters in fifteen and a third innings after being drafted, largely by getting swing and misses on his fastball. You know, and that's something that was kind of missing from this draft class was you, we're used to seeing them pick up somebody at some point that goes out there and just throws a hundred, right? And they you didn't really see anybody like that. No, I, I um I was surprised that it, you know our um Coog, Cogs. Oh, Danny um, Dens. Danny Dens, yeah. A guy, non-drafted guy that didn't throw hard, but had plenty of success. Right. I feel like the draft strategy kind of has shifted away from looking at guys with just pure pure tools. Uh, you, know, you look at somebody who's a physical specimen, and right. they can run this fast. You know, you see the the raw power and, and scouts dream of what that can develop into. It seems like they've evolved into selecting guys that still have the tools, but they have the baseball skills to right. support them. Right. So that it isn't such a project. Okay. So next on the, on the list, best secondary pitch, right-hander Kevin cops. And for him, it's more of a, it's his primary pitch. It's right. not even his secondary. Uh, he went 12 and one with a 0.90 ERA and won the golden spikes award at Arkansas on the strength of his slider. It's a vertical slider in the mid-80s with hard late drop and gets swings and misses both in and out of the strike zone. His ability to command and repeat the slider makes it a plus-plus offering the batters struggle to hit even when they know it's coming. That's nice. Yeah, and so what I've seen, and we've talked about this before, he's got kind of two different shapes to his slider. He's got the hard one that that has that late break, and it kind of gets up on him like a fastball, and then there's a a different slider that he throws with a little bit more loop to it. Um, he kind of uses them different ways in the in, in right, almost like a slurve almost. Yeah, I mean they both have kind of the same plane. It's just one takes off and then breaks late at the end, and the other one kind of it's it 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 plays more like a breaking yeah. like a traditional breaking ball. So the best pro debut went to James Woods, who hit three three seventy two, four sixty five, and five thirty five, and earned rare reviews rave reviews. Pardon me, as arguably the best prospect in the Arizona Complex League, which is huge. Beyond the state line, he showed better than expected contact skills and defense to go with his prodigious power potential. And taking best athlete again is James Wood. Wood is uniquely coordinated and athletic for his size as a six foot seven teenager with plus speed and excellent body control. He's a smooth, graceful runner when he gets underway. You know, that's interesting that that we're getting all this all this reviews from a guy that's young and six foot seven. Usually it takes a while for them to kind of like not necessarily fill out their body, but just kind of like look athletic. But you know, right. getting all this uh yeah, I've been talking about him up so much uh, at so young, early in the draft. Uh, it's draft, but it's encouraging. Yeah, w- when I think of somebody who has that kind of size, I think of somebody like Kyle Blanks, who is—I mean, he was athletic for his size, but he right. was kind of a plodding runner, and he never—you don't see the word graceful. No, he was associated with him. He was, yeah, they put him in right field and he'd play, but I mean. He right. didn't make it look graceful at all. Right. So hearing that this 18-year-old kid right out of high school is is drawing those kinds of, of descriptors, it's definitely encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. So most intriguing background, right-handed, right-hander River Ryan 
<clears throat> is the son of former Phillies minor league Sean Ryan and the younger brother of current Rangers minor league pitcher Ryder Ryan. Ryder and River Ryan. It's all the R's. That's a couple of good names. Right. Wood's father, Kenny Wood, was the college basketball star at Richmond and was inducted into the school's Hall of Fame in 2011. All right. Closest to the majors, Cops. Uh, Kevin Cops, 90 to 94 mile an hour fastball, devastating slider, and advanced feel for commanding and repeating his pitches should have him in the Padres bullpen shortly. He has a chance to become a high leverage late inning reliever. And there yeah. were some people that were even pushing for him to maybe even crack it this year. Right, absolutely. And that's that's nothing new, but that's good to hear that it's being fortified by Baseball America. Right, here in the national press, say, uh, say what we've been hearing from yeah. the local guys. Yeah. So the best late round pick was Ryan, started playing both ways at UNC Pembroke. Uh, the Padres drafted him as a pitcher, but wary of overtexting his arm, let him hit as a DH in the Arizona complex, and he hit 308, 349, 436, and then went to Instructs and sat 93, 95 on his fastball with making uh, with the makings of a power slider or slurp, power slurp. Sorry, he's an excellent athlete whose stuff has a chance to tick up once he focuses solely on pitching. All right, so to step into a dark alley uh, with free agency and all this stuff going on and all this trade talk. Somebody whose name I've heard out there is uh, Michael Lorenzen from the Reds. Reds. Yeah. And he's a true two way player. He can play center field. He's got light tower power. Yeah. Pretty darn good hitter. He is chiseled. Oh yeah, he is. He's cut, but he, his, First, his primary job is as a reliever. Yeah. It sounds like he's, he can make an argument to be a starting pitcher. He's got the, the stuff to do it. Yeah. Uh, but then you put him in the box, and he's a competent hitter. I uh, He made his debut uh, against the Padres, and we sat next to uh, – ironically enough, we sat next to his family. No kidding. On that game. How about that? Yeah, it was kind of cool. That's always fun. Then I started following on Instagram. I was like, God damn. <laughs> the guy's like, he's got like point zero zero, like he minus body fat. My negative body fat. Negative I don't know if that's fat. healthy. Um, so the one that got away was right-hander Chase Burns. Chase Burns was one of the top prep pitchers in the class, but was strongly committed to Tennessee. He's a big physical right-hander with a powerful four-pitch mix and has an excellent chance to be a first-round draft pick after three years with the Volunteers. That wasn't really a surprise. Yeah. And they yeah. took a swing on a couple of guys late in the in the draft, and yeah. it's really more of just to have a chance to talk to the to the kid, create that relationship, right? And I, you know, I, I have yet to hear a story where they do that, and then a few years later, the the player winds up coming to the organization somehow. Yeah, but I, you never know, I guess. Yeah, and that's it's about the relationships in this sport, but probably not going to be. Hopefully, if we're not picking one. Hope we're not picking the top five, right? You know, when he's ready in three or four years. Mm-hmm. So that's where the draft pick kind of doesn't line up with that. You never know what's going to happen. No, but what what we do know is going to happen is an interview with Matt Batten coming up right now. Matthew Batten was drafted as an infielder in the 32nd round of the 2017 draft at a Quinnipiac University. He stands as an argument to keep that draft at least that long. The Connecticut native is a versatile infielder that can play all four positions. He hit 300, 370, 391 in El Paso, and that's a slash line of 298, 412, 333 in 17 games in the Arizona Fall League and joins us here at Friars on the Farm. Matthew, what's going on? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. So last week there was a brawl, yeah, and uh, we talked to Chandler Siegel about that. Um, where were you when that all went down? 
Uh, originally, I was in the locker room because I just got put in the game, so I had to get ready for a few things. So I was a little bit late out there, but uh, ended up getting out there, not doing much. <laughs> yeah, by the time you got out there, the dust up had already kind of cooled off. Yeah, baseball brawls are usually pretty quick. They don't last that long. Right, right. Especially in the fall, it's such like an invitational kind of, it's such a special thing. It's not like a league game, uh, you know, that that, that kind of happened. It's kind of weird. So how'd you wind up uh, getting the opportunity to play in the fall league? Uh, just a call from our new director, Riley Westman, asked if I wanted to play in it. And uh, I was in Oklahoma City when he called because that was where El Paso was ending up the year. So he asked if it's something I'd be interested in, and I jumped at it. Okay, so I understand sometimes there's a plan for a player. They're going to get so many plate appearances. They're going to play this position. Yeah. Uh, was there a plan for you heading into your time there? Not necessarily playing time-wise, but I knew I was going to be playing a lot of first base instead of I played a lot of short this season, so just they told me to be ready for that. But in terms of definite playing time, not really. So you've played a little bit of first base, but not a whole lot. Did you have to kind of sharpen your tools a little bit to, to be ready, or how does that how does that work? No, because it's something whenever I have off days in season, I make sure I get my defensive work at places I haven't been as much. So even though I didn't have any game time there, I've been working out over there a little bit. And for me, luckily, that's not a hard spot for me to jump into. So there wasn't too much of a training going on. So, so it is true what they said in Moneyball. That is a very easy position to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's difficult parts don't get me wrong but at the end of the day you catch the ball you keep your foot on the base no one's gonna say a word to you you know some people make that look kind of difficult yeah. um so so you've got uh anthony Contreras as your manager there um so how did you find out that he wound up getting the job with the phillies uh, he told me well he i saw him one day he had more red stuff on, so it kind of that was a dead giveaway. But then uh, he just pulled pulled me aside and told me, and just pretty much it was a different opportunity. And just like players, coaches are trying to navigate their way through the minor league, so I was happy right. for him. And that's a that's a great opportunity to be up in AAA. Oh, that's a huge opportunity, yeah, because he was in single A for several years. Yeah, five years. Um, yeah. yeah, you passed through Fort Wayne a couple different times. Um, no? I've never been to Fort Wayne. You you skip Fort Wayne That's altogether, huh? Yeah, so it's my first time playing for AC, but yeah, I've never been to Fort Wayne. Wow, how'd you manage that? Because you barely spent any time in Lake Elsinore, you just jumped right up to Double A, huh? Yeah, I guess I got a few opportunities. I got lucky, but uh, no, I wanted to go to Fort Wayne after my first spring training, but uh, ended up being stuck and extended. And then by the time everything the dust kind of settled, I ended up in San Antonio by the end of that year after a quick stop in Lake Elsinore, and then kind of been sticking at these two levels that's not too bad no especially in triple a man you guys are raking hey real quick is is the ball they're using the major league ball there in triple a this last season yeah uh yes do you, do you notice any difference from you know the other other levels of ball you've been playing then with the major league ball is it slicker is it is it travel farther mm, uh this year travel further no i think they deaded them a little bit actually this year i think they came out and said that but to me, a ball is a ball. I'm not really trying to throw it and spin it and do certain things. So pitchers will be the ones to feel the difference on that. To me, it's just pick it up and throw it. It's it's all the same. But, but on occasion, you are a pitcher. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. And when times of emergency, when times aren't going well, if you usually you see me on the mountain, it's not a good night for the Chihuahuas or wherever I'm at that day. <laughs> so when that situation happens, are you usually like the go-to guy? Because uh, you've pitched what you pitched in seven games this year, and I think it was like a handful of games in 2019. Uh, are you just like the first person off the bench to get that chance? Yeah, because I'm pretty good with it. I just I don't try to throw hard. I don't really care what I could put up on the radar gun because I know the pitching mile is not going to be what could get me to the big league. So I just have fun with it. And it's easy for me because I give lessons to little kids in the off season. So a lot of the time you're lobbing the ball in there trying to just get it over the plate for them. So I just take that and instead of doing it with a private lesson, I'm doing it in front of 10,000 people sometimes. <laughs> That's awesome that you give pitching lessons as, as an infielder. Do you do also infield work? Oh, no, no, no pitching lessons. I don't oh. dabble on that. I do hitting lessons. So I'm hitting okay. and fielding lessons, so I'm just throwing the ball. No, pitching, I don't claim to be an expert on, especially after this year my <laughs> career – my career ERA took a hit. So. It's 16, I think it's 16.9. It's funny because I saw I, I, the first ERA was like a 2.93. I'm like, God damn, you did pretty good. Oh, then I looked at the seven innings the next year. And yeah, it was like, yeah. you look like four balls. <laughs> so yeah. you just step up on the mound like it's batting practice and you imagine that the guy's eight years old and you're just lobbing. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Nice. I know how annoying it is to hit because I don't, I don't, in 19 with the Chihuahuas, we faced a position player. And I ended up with uh, five, six, seven at bats and only one hit against them, and I hated it. Like it's just, it's annoying. So uh, I know how frustrating it can be. So I just lob it in, and hopefully they hit it at someone. Dude, it, it's the same thing with me. So I play in a rec league, and I'm, I'm 52. I was playing in the 45s, and I don't think they thumb it up there, man. And I'm like, I can't wait back. So I'm now playing with the 25s, uh, and and you know they're throwing 65, maybe occasionally there's a 70 guy there, which is like. They just you can stroke that, but the soft stuff you can, I can't hit the soft stuff. Yeah, it's a uh, it's tough when the guy prior to me is throwing ninety nine, and then I top out at fifty one. So when the game's getting out of control, do you kind of get a sense that oh man, it's coming that they're gonna ask they're gonna ask somebody to go and it's gonna be me? Uh, now that I've done it enough, yeah, I kind of sense it. I know when our bullpen's depleted and when they just kind of need someone to chew up some innings. So yeah. I now have a good sense of it. Originally, they caught me off guard, but now uh, I pretty much know when it's going to happen. <laughs> nice. And I take so many grounders and didn't feel like I think I might be pitching later. <laughs> yeah, you, you know not to go back into the clubhouse and start, you know, icing down or anything. All right, so let's take it back to your youth. You grew up in Connecticut. What part of Connecticut you grow up in? I am from Shelton, Connecticut. I am closer to the city than I am Boston, New York okay. City. Yeah. Okay, so growing up, were you a fan of a particular team? Yankees. Yankees were my team. Jeter was my guy. Okay. That's cool. All right. Cool. Now, you played for Shelton Little League, and you the Shelton National team that wound up going to the 2008 Little League World Series. What do you remember from that experience? That was just really cool. I wish – I almost wish I had, like – did, like, a vlog while I was there so I could look back because I'm sure there's some stuff I missed, but that was – I haven't experienced the big leagues yet, but as a 12-year-old, that's pretty damn close, and it feels that way. So people are coming up to you asking for your autographs. I've never signed an autograph. I'm printing my name. I didn't know you're supposed to write in cursive and whatnot. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was it was a blast, and you feel you feel like you're on top of the world for those 10, 12 days you're out there. Do you have good spread there? Do they feed you really well out there with that? <laughs> everything, everything. They take care of us really well. Well, you're used to playing in front of, I don't know, 50, 100 people. It's just everybody's parents and uncles and stuff. Right. And now you go up there, and that stadium holds, what, like eight, ten thousand 10,000 people? You've got a packed house. 
So, uh, yeah, I think, I don't know if it still holds true, but we, when we played there, we broke the record for attendance for a non-championship game at something like 30,000. Like, wow. the whole place was sold out. Holy cow. Holy so, smokes. Yeah. I think that I was 12, because, like, you don't pay attention to that, but, uh. I'm sure it would have been intimidating if I really took a second and looked around. <laughs> well, so we're here in San Diego. So if, if a team goes over there, it's a, it's a you have to plan the whole trip yeah. out. Yeah. Williamsport is a road trip away from home. So your whole family, everybody you know can come roll out and watch you guys. Yeah, so that's I think that was a big reason for us and our town was very supportive from the get-go because the year and we we knew we had a good chance because my time in Little League, we won like four out of five state championships in the year prior with the same team. We lost in the championship game to go to Williamsport. So everyone kind of was able to plan ahead a little bit. But yeah, it's a longer drive than you think. Pennsylvania is one of those annoying states you drive through, but it was definitely worth the drive. Right. What's, what's annoying about Pennsylvania other than just the little woods? It's it's a, it's a sneaky big state. Like it's just when you're driving through it, it's just you feel like you're – in there for days it was just that's the one thing i remember my poor my poor dad had to my sister was in high school at the time and she was like uh big into cheerleading and competitively and stuff so she had to be she came for my first two games then my dad had to drive her home quick for her to get into her sport and then turn around and came right back so he's done that drive more than any of us so he, he could do it as close but he's a truck driver so he doesn't mind the road but is he long haul do you long haul or is he local Local, local. Okay. He stays pretty much within the New England region. Well, that's nice. That's nice. We get to see him. You know, probably growing up, he was there a lot, all the time, all the time. He didn't miss anything. So going through high school, yeah, I saw that you 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 won some awards going through high school and everything. Did you know that you were going to go to Quinnipiac, or was there were you recruited to go there? Uh, I had a I had a pretty good recruiting time. I heard from some schools, but uh. I just kind of hit it off with the head coach there, who actually originally was at Hartford, University of Hartford, where he started recruiting me. And I was looking there, and then he went to Quinnipiac, continued to recruit me, and we just, since day one, just hit it off. So that became my favorite spot, and to this day, still probably one of the best decisions I've made. Now, he was an alumni of Quinnipiac, right? And he wound up getting mm-hmm. drafted. Uh, what was your head coach's name? John Delaney. John Delaney. So Quinnipiac has a surprisingly, for a small private school, it has a surprisingly long list of guys that have been drafted. Um, I see that your, your classmate, you and Robbie Hitt, both got drafted in the same year. Uh, and then Colton Brewer, who's in the Padres organization, also comes out of Quinnipiac. Yeah. Uh, what do you think makes the program so strong for being such a small school? I think the, there's not a lot of bells and whistles. It's just you go there, you work. It's not necessarily the prettiest, but like, in the terms of like other collegiate baseball programs, but you have a wealth of knowledge with all the coaches there. Two of them played uh, in the um, minors for a decent amount of time, so you know they know what they're talking about, and they're still they're relatively young. They're getting older now. Hopefully, they don't hear this. But when I was there, they were still they were still in their uh, low to mid thirties, so they're still out in the field. They still take swings. They still do some stuff. So, but I think it's just guys go there to work like there's there's no it's very meat and potatoes like it's not pretty not flashy but there's a lot of talent that goes into there and the guys that really utilize what the opportunity is yeah. to have a decent shot to get out of there yeah nice 
Okay, so one guy from Quinnipiac has actually made the majors, Turk Wendell. Have you ever yeah. met him? I have not. I've only heard some stories. I've heard he's pretty legendary, but I haven't met him myself. Yeah, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of stories. He's an interesting cat. Yeah. Uh, do you? So he had a lot of superstitions. He would brush his teeth in between every inning. He always chewed black licorice. He wore this necklace with these the bones and teeth and stuff on him. He was a he was an interesting dude. <laughs> I didn't know that about Turk. Oh yeah. <clears throat> uh, do you have any superstitions? Are there things that you do throughout the game or in your prep or anything like that? Uh, no, I'm very, very, very routine-based, but I'm not someone, like, if I miss a step, like, I have to restart and get it going. Like, I'm not like that, but I do do things every day that I feel help me get ready, whether it's in the cage or whatnot, but in terms of superstitions, no, I'm not really, not really one of those guys. No fried chicken eating, like, I gotta tie my shoes twice or something like that? No, no, (laughs) I believe it. You studied broadcast journalism. Is there any tape of you anywhere? Do you have any role anywhere around that we could pull up? Uh, it's hidden. No, no one will ever see ah. that. It's, it's all it's all private on my hard drive, and I don't want that getting out because I liked it, but it wasn't my – definitely I was better at baseball than I was as a journalist. Ah, interesting. Well, someday in the far distant future, right, dude. Your, your playing career will come to an end. Uh, hopefully that's many, many years from now. But when that time comes, do you want to go into broadcast journalism? I don't know. We'll have to see. I know it'll be in some capacity around the game. And I do love the college level, so I could always see myself going back coaching there. But it all depends on how old I am, how successful I was, and figure it out. But maybe, maybe one day hop in the booth and call some games. Did you like, uh, did you like the broad, like the, the play by play part of it? Or did you like the, like the journalistic writing kind of side of it? What, what was it that drew you to that? I've always I liked writing a little bit. Not I liked it a lot in high school, and I kind of grew out of it. But it's still something I enjoyed, and then could kind of pretty much find ways to write stories about sports. I like the research about it more than anything. That I don't necessarily like being in front of the camera, but uh, I like the research and the process that goes into it. Yeah, it's some of my favorite articles that come out. Like Dennis Lynn writes for the Padres, yeah. uh, for the um, the Athletic, and every year during spring training, he does these deep dives into guys' stories. Yeah. And I always really love those because you you get to learn a lot about somebody's background and what they've gone through and and all of that. It's it's a different kind of a thing because you're used to just reading you know numbers and you know what somebody's doing to get better and all of this. But when you and you hear the eyewash answers like, yeah, I just here to, you know, work hard and get ready for the season. Right. But then yeah. you flesh out the person a little bit more and it's, you know, I, I enjoy that stuff. Absolutely. For sure. It's nice. I feel like people forget that athletes are people too. There's more to them than just what you see on TV or social media or whatnot. So it's nice to get that side of them in too. For sure. All right. So when you were in shortstop, you were the everyday shortstop there. Uh, did you play, you played four years in college, right? Um, so then when you got drafted, the Padres pretty much stuck you right at second base for when you were in the Arizona Summer League. Um, and then after that, you've been all over the place. You played everywhere but catcher at some point. Um, what was the process like for just like learning how to move around and be flexible and, and play wherever? Uh, I just kind of uh, had a good understanding of the more positions I played, the better I could get into a lineup. Yeah. And as much as shortstop's my favorite part of about baseball, I knew what I don't think I would be an everyday guy uh, there. So the more positions I could learn, the more I could play. 
and the more it benefits me in building my baseball resume to hopefully benefit a major league club. Yeah, I skipped but over in something. Terms, in, terms of, in terms of learning, I just kind of I've always been a big believer and I take everything I learned from short and learn to kind of use it at other positions and then obviously learn the new ins and outs and like intricacies of each position, but not try to overcomplicate it. Like I don't want a lot going through my mind because at the end of the day, it's catch the ball, throw the ball. And that's kind of my mindset. And I think that's pretty much it. You know, now it really it, it, it goes, I, I love hearing this from you. It, it's constantly, it's just see ball, hit ball, throw ball, catch ball. Like keeping it so simple. Sometimes you know, I mean, particularly now with with analytics and 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 just you have so much data and so many numbers that they throw at you. Um, it's like yeah, I just want to catch the ball, dude. I just want to hit it. And you're, you're hitting every level. You're, you're hitting three hundred in 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 AAA uh, with a deadened ball. So like you're on your you're on your way. You know, definitely on your way. But even yeah, still, I'm a, sim- I'm a simple thinker. I don't like to. I use those numbers. I research them. I appreciate them, but I use them for what they are. And me knowing how well a guy spins a ball isn't necessarily going to help me when it comes to hitting. So right. the clearer my mind can be is easier. It makes it. So, but when you go to learn a new position, there's footwork. Like if you move over to second base, you, there's a whole different, your feet are moving in a different direction and you're throwing different angles, especially when you move over to first base, the footwork and the glove work, uh, were there any coaches or any players that were particularly helpful in learning, you know, as you were moving around at that time? Yeah, I've had, I'm, I'm always very uh, inquisitive when I learn a new position. I like to learn from different people. The main guy for me has been Kevin Hooper, who's our, I believe he was our infield coordinator. I don't know what his official title is now, but he's still with us. That's cool. One of the best guys I've been very fortunate to meet and work with, and he's someone who just loves to work, and whenever you needed something, he was there repping you out, talking through some things. So he he was one of the biggest ones that helped me. And one of my bigger adjustments was moving to third. I just didn't like the angle or certain things at first. And then a guy by the name of Seth Mejias Breen, who was with us, yeah. the Padres, for a little bit, uh, he taught me a ton because he's a phenomenal third baseman. And he kind of, just seeing him, like after he saw me work with people, he pulled me aside and pretty much told me his philosophy, and that's kind of what I've been running with. Because the ball gets on you so fast over there. Yeah. Yeah, like it was such a new position for me. I didn't even know how to like – I tried to track the ball into the zone the first time because I'm so used to short. That's how I did it. Like pitcher threw it. I followed the ball. We go from there. But you can't do that at third, and I, I honestly didn't know that. So that was a, that was a quick learning, learning point. Thank God it wasn't hit at me because so, I don't know what would happen. So but. then what are you watching when you're over at third base? Are you watching the batter or are you watching the catcher? Uh, the batter, and then usually I, I'm, I'm usually relaxed looking at the pitcher, and then once he starts, I go right to the hitter. I think Seth Mee, his brain came up uh, with his cup of coffee and hit a grand slam against like, uh, Madison Bumgarner, I think. I remember him hitting one through the walk-up. tunnel in left field. It was a walk-off on the upper deck. Yeah, he yeah. hit a bomb. So are you? So you're watching the 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 batter's body movement, and that's going to give you an idea of if they're going to get under it, if they're going to be on top of it, if they're going to pull it. That kind of thing? Yeah, pretty much. And just kind of have a feel for the count, what's coming. You start – that way it's not all just reaction. It turns into more anticipating certain things happening and go from there. But, yeah, pretty much what you said, just looking at what this hitter likes to do. And if it comes to me, where is he most likely going to hit it? Well, there's a lot of game awareness you need 
Yeah, and I would imagine that moving around, you know, the just before every pitch, if the ball's hit in front of me, if it's hit behind me, left, right, with runners on whatever, knowing all of your situations of what to do because yeah, you can't for cutting off. You can't take that moment to think, oh wait, crap, do I throw it a second? Um so you need to now that you've moved around, you need to like you have the full library of of what all those options are. It's got to take a while to kind of put all that together. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't for me because I've always been into that part of the game. I like growing up, I like defense better than offense. That's kind of why my hitting's always been playing a little bit of catch up because I would rather take five hundred ground balls and five hundred swings. It's just what I like to do. And then playing short, like I was always very vocal, so I would always be telling people what they had to do, so kind of what to anticipate for. So there wasn't – I already knew what the situational work was going to be when I moved to these positions because I already kind of studied it and paid attention to it. So we skipped over your draft. Um, leading up to the draft, had you did you talk to the Padres? Did you know that, that people were looking at you, um, or was it all kind of a surprise? Uh, the day of, it was kind of a surprise, but I talked to, in some way, shape, or form, pretty much most teams, but not, some more than others. Not necessarily everyone was interested, but uh, I went and did their pre-draft workout, and it went. I was one of my better ones, so I had nice. a feeling. But then it was kind of, it was kind of silent. And the way I found out I got drafted was my draft tracker paused, and I didn't like, I didn't even want to watch anymore because I just thought it was over. And then one of my college teammates texted me so that's kind of how i uh found out i got drafted then i heard from the padres a little bit later nice that's funny because um uh, a guy in the system nick Mag nick margavicious 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 thank you very much it's been a long time um he his buddy called him and said hey i think they're gonna pick me up in this round um and they ended up he got picked before his buddy did. <laughs> he finally got drafted before his buddy did yeah no there's a it was a stressful day i don't I'm happy about the end result, but I would never want to sit through that again. <laughs> okay, so you're in college. You've got your living situation up there. You find out you get drafted. Um, you, you sign a, a bonus. And then what's your next assignment? Do they like say, okay, you've got two weeks to get to to Peoria? Or, or how had that all go? Did you drive cross country? No, I flew. Um, yeah, pretty much we all, all members of the draft class had to go so like a mini camp, which is like a pretty much a three-day version of spring training where you kind of learn the ins and outs of the organization, certain things and whatnot. But then, uh, yeah, I think I had about six days, six, seven days before I had to head out there. So I was, was never rushed, which was good. I had that time to stay by and then get out to Arizona. No, I had to drive through Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, there's no driving through Pennsylvania. Yeah, you think Pennsylvania is big. Try driving across Texas. Oh, my God. I've driven to the panhandle. It's a nightmare. Oh, you know that. You know that. Yeah. And I'm starting to know Texas very well, so I get that. Yeah, that Corpus Christi road trip comes up, and oh, man, here we go. Okay, so you play all over the place. Um, do you know, like, the day before where you're going to be playing the next day? I know this year you've been playing shortstop a lot. Yeah. Uh, but before this year, you were moving around quite a bit. So did you have an idea what you are going to be doing the next day? Or was it just you show up and you look up at the, the lineup and, okay, I'm playing left field today? Uh, Both. There was days where I was told, like, kind of during the game what was happening. And the whole, uh, this manager told me where I was playing. And there's days I just rolled into the clubhouse and, Saw where I was at and went from there. How many gloves do you own? 
Um, I always have three with me. I have my normal infield, first base, and then outfield. But I have uh, God knows how many, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you got the you got your rep on speed dial. Who do you do you use a particular uh, manufacturer of glove? Yeah, so I'm signed with a uh, company in Connecticut, and they make all my stuff called Tater Baseball. So uh, do all my stuff through them, and it's all really quality. So I'm very very lucky to have met them and got together with them. Nice. So you're talking gloves, bats, batting gloves, all that. Dude, that's nice. Could they have a Twitter account? Tater? Yeah, they should. They, they at least have Instagram. I don't I don't don't know too much about Twitter, but they definitely have Instagram. That's Tater like a potato, like like a like a home run. T A T E R. That's it. Yeah. All right, we'll, I'm going to look them up. Yeah. Look them up and we'll tag them. They definitely deserve a shout out for hooking you up. So so playing in the Arizona, dude, you you're playing up against some pretty high, you know, high caliber you know, players and pitchers and you're hitting right away. Do you see any difference in you know, playing AAA and then coming here to like a, a, a higher degree of a level of, of play. Uh, in terms of the fall league, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely different. It's they both have their own challenges in different ways. Uh, AAA, like you could kind of anticipate a little more and learn. Uh, I don't know, kind of habits, but like in a league like that's this quick. There's no true scouting reports, not much. Right. So it's their best stuff against yours. So it's kind of a little different in that sense. But uh, no, they both have their challenges. But so far, so good. Some balls are falling. <laughs> it's got to be neat working with different coaches, getting some different voices, uh, and then being surrounded by guys from different organizations, kind of making some some new connections. It is. It's really cool. That's what I was. I was. I was on the phone with my mom or my dad talking about. Like I've never gotten to play about half of these organizations because most of our affiliates are uh, uh, on the West Coast, right. and then most of like the ALE stuff like that teams are uh, on the East Coast. So I never, never gotten to play them. So it's cool seeing how different teams are, and then you start to understand really how small the baseball community is. Like so-and-so know this guy and you start tying the web a little bit but uh it's really cool that's one of the one of my favorite parts about this so far yeah you know that's true i mean like how ac just now just takes off and he's going to be with the philadelphia phillies organization so then you know someday you guys will cross paths somehow yeah. um you know that's that's got to be cool do, do you keep in touch with the uh, with the guys that you came up with from quinnipiac oh yeah oh yeah for sure because there's, One what, my, three or four uh, of you now in, in still in pro ball? Yeah, there's four of us. So me and Colt and are with, obviously, the Padres. And then Robbie Hitt and Tom Jenkins are with the Brewers. And I'm close to I'm pretty close with all of them. But Tom Jenkins is one of my best friends. He's like a brother to me. So he's nice. someone I work with him in the offseason. We work together at the same facility. But, uh, yeah, it's a small world. And when you come from a smaller school, you kind of – tend to have a little more pride so we stay in touch and try to help each other the best that we can did you know colton yeah i missed him by a year but okay. I, I got to know him as i would go there and work out and he ended up taking my number and stuff so kind of bonded over that so uh <laughs> yeah so the past the past two people to wear number six at quinnipiac ended up getting drafted by the padres i don't know if it's luck or coincidence or what but uh, that seems to be the pattern all right that's that's pretty sick uh, my, my question is this so you've been lucky like being like elsinore has been it's, it's hot when the season started it's hot in fort wayne it's freaking cold in april you know it's cold but like a co first quarter of the whole season you're freezing 
you go to you go to the Texas League in San Antonio, it's hot. So like, so I think some of those Brewer um, minor league systems, I think they're in some pretty cold parts of the country, man. Yeah. So we can't get away from it. Luckily, I haven't played in too much cold since I've gotten drafted, but I grew up in it. It's you suck it up and you deal with it. It's not too much. Some guys, some guys make a big deal about it, but it's uh, it's just weather. <laughs> yeah, I, I we spent one Christmas visiting the brother-in-law for Christmas, and it snowed on Christmas Eve. We left the day after Christmas, and like it was just about four years ago. Then the polar vortex came through when it was just like it killed. Just it was insane. I'm like, I'll never. We're never going back. My wife's from New York. She's like, we're never going back. We're not. We don't do snow. So do you? So do you go back to your college and work out in the off season? Oh uh, yeah, not every day. I have a different, a few different places I go to, but it's close enough. It's only like a thirty minute ish drive. So I definitely go up there probably. I'd say like once every two weeks, depending uh-huh. on my schedule and theirs. But in terms of live at bats, once we get closer to going to spring training, I definitely go up there a little bit more to just see some arms and go from there. So when you're done here at the Arizona Fall League, uh, you're going to go home? You, you're yeah, going to no, get a job, or what are you going to do at home? I have a job back home. I work at where I grew up playing. The organization is called the Technique Tigers. That was kind of my travel ball or AAU, whatever you want to call it. And uh, So now I go back there. I coach full-time. I give a lot of lessons. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much my job. <laughs> nice. Nice. Lifer. I love it. Lifer. Do you have any uh, any goals for this offseason? Um, going into next year as far as like you know building your body up in any certain ways getting quicker or working on certain skills anything like that yeah i definitely want to maintain my speed because i think that was a tool i showed this year that i don't think even the padres necessarily saw to me so i'll definitely maintain that and then just hopefully put on a little more size that's always been my goal because i've always been on the smaller side so go from there but pretty much repeat what i did uh the off season prior to this season because this is my body held up really well, no issues, knock on wood, and uh, but a few tweaks here and there to put on a little more size, a little more strength, and get ready to get rolling again. You know that makes me think of somebody else that was a late round draft pick by the Padres that hit pretty well throughout this, his career, and then finally showed some power and made made it and broke through in Thai France. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the guy just hit all the way through it. Everybody's like, well, he's undersized for a first baseman and this and that. And he just kept on working and working and working. And all of a sudden, he just – he popped. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of my favorites. I, he's – I was sad when he got traded because I was one of my good friends in the organization. But he's definitely had a career path that I would love to follow because he's just a hard worker and pretty much go, goes and gets it. Yeah, we're big fans of his too. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to get that opportunity here in this spring training – uh, you know, Hopefully, so, you get an invite to big league spring yeah. training this year. Yeah, I'll be a nice I'll little reward. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, Donovan's got some quick fire questions to fire at you. Okay. So here's the quick fire. Here's the quick fire questions. Manhattan or New England clam chowder? What was the first one? Manhattan or New England clam chowder? Um. I guess clam chowder. I don't really eat. I don't really eat either. I'll be honest. <laughs> That's a fair answer. <laughs> Question: What's the Connecticut state bird? Bird. Oh, I have no idea. I know where the nutmeg state. That's about it. I, don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. It's the American robin. Are you the most famous person at your high school? If not, who is the most famous person at your high school? No, not me. Um, oof. 
I would say probably this guy, Tyler Matakavich. He plays special teams for the Bills, and okay. he was drafted by the Steelers. But uh, I'd give him – he has the edge over me. But I'm probably up there somewhere, but not that high. Nice. All right. So you've been you've been to Texas for a while, and you've been in Arizona, obviously, for spring training. Uh, Whataburger or In-N-Out? Uh, In-N-Out. All right. I got one to slip in here. Have you ever thought about playing all nine positions in a game? Yeah, they've brought it up before, and I just started catching recently. But so I'm not, but I'm not ready for it. But uh, maybe one day I'll do it. It'll be a cool thing. But maybe when I'm a little older, <laughs> I'm good right now. Dude, that'd be epic. Right. Shift or no shift? Interesting. Is that because as a hitter, you you like seeing them try to stack one side? You know, it opens up something for you, or or as a fielder, you like putting yourself in a spot where you're going to have the best chance to make a play. Both. I like the thought that goes behind it in defense to kind of put ourselves in the best position. And then the more space you can open up on a field, the better. So I'm fine with it. They don't really shift me, unfortunately, but I wish they would because that would help me tremendously. <laughs> you know, I th- th- just <laughs> listen epic. to you talk and the answers you give. I could see you being a coach someday if yeah. you ever wanted to go down that path. Absolutely. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. What actor would play you in a movie? What actor? Wahlberg, probably. Wahlberg. Which, yeah. which Wahlberg? Mark. Mark. Yeah, I'm going with the big gun. Danny's right. cool, but I like Mark. All right. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Why? Why not? What? What? Dif- what separates it from the sandwich family? It's just. It's just not. <laughs> I don't okay. have a reason. That's fine. That's fine. It's just not. Okay. <laughs> Worst dressed teammate. Worst dressed teammate. Oof. Um. Jeez. Have to throw someone under the bus. Seeger did it. Uh, Seagull did it. Yeah, he's. He had someone ready? Yeah. Well, he came up with I somebody pretty quick. Style. Yeah. I have people whose style that don't fit me necessarily, but... Uh, okay, so let's... Uh, who's, while you're thinking about that, that who's the best-dressed teammate that you've, you've been around? Best-dressed? Ooh. You guys are killing me. I don't really pay attention to what people walk in. And I would say uh, Johnny Andreoli this year was uh, well-dressed. All right. usually put together, he was usually put together, all right? He's been around for a while. Now I'm wondering if we asked if we asked Matthew's teammates if they'd say he was the worst dressed because he just shows up in sweats they every might. day and shows up to go to work. Okay, they messiest, might. messiest roommate. Messiest roommate. Um, I'll say Jesse Schultz just to bother him, but he's not bad. <laughs> all right, now we got to reach out to Jesse. All right, right, right. Call, call, call of Duty or Fortnite? Neither. I don't play. I don't really play those. Yeah. I play NHL hockey. That's it. Okay. Nice. Did you play hockey growing up? No, I asked my mom and it was a no. So. Right, because you played football and basketball. So what's the difference between playing football and playing hockey? I guess hockey is an expensive sport from a, from a parent standpoint. Yeah, and the fact that you probably have knives on your feet and you're going really fast on a slippery surface makes it a little <laughs> uncomfortable for a mom. Right. I've seen some scary, scary yeah. videos of the. Yeah. 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 So we we didn't do that one. Okay. Right. Favorite non-baseball athlete? Uh, LeBron. Nice. So LeBron and Jeter. Yeah. Major League or Bull Durham? Ooh, Major League. All right. All right. There you go. That's it. All right. Well, when when March rolls around, hopefully the back lots are open. We can come over and say hi to you. Awesome. I appreciate it, guys. This was fun. I enjoyed doing it. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Very nice meeting you. I'll talk to you.